0: Welcome to the Strategist Corner podcast from MFS Investment Management. I am Rob Almeida, Global Investment Strategist and Portfolio Manager. Our theme of today's episode is Web 3.0 in the Metaverse, where we will be exploring these two related but separate concepts and how they may represent disruptors to the capital markets and what that means for investors.
1: The views expressed are those of the speaker and are subject to change at any time. These views are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a recommendation to purchase any security or as a solicitation or investment advice from the advisor. No forecast can be guaranteed. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.
0: For our conversation today, I'm happily joined by CV Rao, a member of the MFS Global Research Platform, who specializes in deeply understanding trends across the technology sector and how those trends potentially affect other sectors and industries across the global equity and fixed income markets. Well, CV, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
1: Great. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. Nice seeing you, actually. Hopefully, I'll see you soon in the office in real. real. I think so. Real. It feels like it's trending
0: that way. And actually, that that's a potentially a a podcast for another day. I've been reading about original antigenic sin. And I know you've been talking, but we'll we'll talk about that another time. Um, You know, hopefully that doesn't postpone the uh, back to work or back to normal. But anyway, you have a unique you know, before we get into Web.0 oh, metaverse, you've got a really unique function and, and role in the investment department. And before we, we get into that, maybe I just wanted to set the stage for the audience. Talk about your background, right? Before MFS, your education, what did you do? How did you get here?
1: Yeah, again, thanks for the thanks for the conversation. So uh, I was one of the more unusual hires at MFS. Uh, (laughs) Nice way of saying uh, I was old when they hired me. Uh, So I was one of the experienced hires Uh, came in after actually working in the industry, uh, you know, several industries, actually, broadly, none of them related to investment management. So in that sense, it was unusual. So I have an undergrad in computer science, graduate degree in physics, I have master's level work in biology. uh, And I did all this before my CFA, uh, just before joining MFS, and I have an MBA too. So, so actually, I like going to school, as you can tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, that's a common theme. Um, work experience-wise, uh, you know, I worked in consumer goods uh, and in semiconductor industry, uh, you know, in their M&A function, corporate development, before actually coming to Boston to do a long stint at a startup, uh, at a tech startup, uh, and I joined MFS right after that, uh, just two months before the uh, Great Financial Crisis. This meltdown in 2008
0: so you mentioned uh 14 years
1: ago and i remember
0: when you joined it and i guess when i think back to those days you were uh, a part of the tech team you know in various roles research analyst uh investment analyst and then you've transitioned into this role you have now so maybe talk a little bit about uh your involvement with the tech team specifically but i guess more with an emphasis on the value or what you've been trying to accomplish uh for all mfs investors in the last four or five years
1: yeah no no that's right so uh for most of those 14 years i I was a Uh, uh, equity analyst uh, in the global tech team. About I think four years ago now, um, Mm -hmm. I transitioned to this new role uh, where I look at uh, disruptive themes uh, across sectors globally. That's kind of how I'd like to think about it. Uh, You know, I I look at any technology-based disruptions or actually nowadays, actually, even if they're not based, not rooted in technology. You know, if you think about the role uh, for me, the, the analysts and PMS at MFS have very deep knowledge of the sectors they invest in, right? So uh, to so but all of us can use some help looking at things that are coming down the road, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if they are coming from geographies or sectors where you don't get visibility, you don't have visibility to. So you, if you cover one sector and disruption to your sector is coming from another sector, it's hard to get visibility to that. So that is kind of my primary function. So whether it is electric vehicles or the, what we going to talk about today in terms of Web 3.0 and metaverse uh, and a slew of other things, right? So things that actually affect multiple sectors, multiple geographies, uh, that's, that's my mandate. And around those themes, I look for both opportunities as well as risks to our current holdings. So that's kind of the overall kind of the best way of kind of describing the role for me. Which makes sense, in
0: particular, just how fast technology and science is creating risk, creating disruption, creating opportunities. And so the analyst will go to you as, as an expert within that science, and then you come back with uh, your findings and, you know, is, is this science really disruptive, the commercial application, so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, that's right yeah so so I mean, for, for example, like I mentioned electric vehicles. Um, something similar and closer to today like we worked on climate change, which is a global theme yep. right so. Um, so I mean that it's not tech related but there's a lot of technology that's being developed to mitigate. The risk, so that provides us with a lot of opportunity and also a lot of risks to some of our holdings if they're not doing the right thing. Uh, so it helps us understand that and actually kind of educate uh, ourselves and the investors around around me basically to help the team kind of stay ahead of these trends and themes. So that's kind of the that's kind of the basis for the for the role.
0: Yep, makes sense. So which is probably a good transition for our topic today, uh, which you delivered in a recent uh, global tech meeting titled Web 3.0 and metaverse. And you know, I guess what was not to uh, jump the line, so to speak, but what my biggest takeaway from it is I maybe was conflating the two. And what you've talked about is how they're actually uh, two different things. But you know, but before we get into that, um, maybe just give us the, uh, set the stage, if you will, from, you know, what was Web 1.0, 2.0, and and where are we in this Web 3.0, and what
1: is it? right so like i said i'm old so i actually remember when web <laughs> that would be the common theme uh, all through the uh, podcast so um uh, when i was actually a computer science student in my undergrad uh, you know uh, web 2 web what we call web 1.0 or the original internet was kind of taking shape uh, mm-hmm. i could see it happen uh, from my undergrad dom effectively you know um, so i was there at the very beginning um, so just to kind of kind of set some give some context to kind of where we are headed here uh, when we think about web 1.0 or the original internet it was all about you know rep- it is a repository for information mm-hmm. you put information in there you search for it you navigate to it you consumed information you kind of got information by like going to different servers different web pages mostly reading that's pretty much your interaction like, it was limited to that then you know, to simplify things web 2.0 comes along and you know it's it's kind of that that line is fuzzy right I couldn't tell you when the transition happened roughly you know it took a long time. As these transitions are happening, sometimes we are in the middle of them and we don't realize, but web 2.0 if you think about what happens today it's about transactions. It's about not only consumption of information; it's also about creation of information. So it's about social interactions. So you, when you go, in, when you're on Facebook or sorry, you know, or any of these social websites, um, you're actually putting in information. You're not just consuming information. You're transacting. You're buying things. Um, you know all these things run on centralized platforms, like we are well aware of. A lot of the largest names in tech are these pl- are, are, are run on these platforms. Media and entertainment has moved. Online, uh, you know, from the previous platforms. So, Web 2.0 is kind of like all these things that I mentioned, uh, as opposed to just consumption of information. Um, Advertising, for example, is driven off of the information we create on the web, right? Uh, That's a big part of the economics of the web uh, and why it's free. Uh, You know, there's a saying, if you don't know uh, who who the customer is, you are, right? You you are the product, basically. the information you create is basically used to drive advertising. So that's Web 2.0 today. And so we've come a long way, a lot of these models Obviously, took a long time to build. A lot of them uh, were disruptive to existing models. Uh, the disruption still continues. Um, some of them kind of died along the way. Uh, we saw every, uh, you know, we saw so much startup activity in the space: pets.com to furniture.com to, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of these startups. And the web, 2, web 2.0 is now matured, and we kind of have what we have today.
0: Um, and so how would you describe web 3.0 in and, and, and that transition? And, and maybe where are we, you know, we're, we're not there, but we're somewhere in between, like, it's not web 2.5, but um, directionally, right. we're, we're, we're there.
1: Right. Again, you know, this is another transition that we're going through. And again, we if you if you ask me this, if we had this podcast five years from now, or ten years from now, we wouldn't know when this happened. We're mm-hmm. we right in the middle of it probably. Uh, it's 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 definitely very early days, like you said, right? It's, it's definitely very early days. Um, it's taking shape all around us, and uh, you know. Uh, like anything new, it'll kind of be in fits and starts. Uh, you know, some some of the people uh, who built business in Web 2.0 believe, don't believe that there's anything called Web 3.0. Uh, and that comes from, you know, self-motivation where their business are going to be disrupted by Web 3.0. So just kind of stepping back and thinking about what, you know, what the fundamental principles of Web 3.0 could be, uh, you know, first, it's a decentralized model as opposed to a centralized model that we're used to with all the platforms that we interact with today. And, uh, you know, just for some context and to make it easy for us to understand if you think about I know again, like I said, you know, late 90s, um, there was a music distribution app called Napster, you know I don't know if you're familiar with that, but if you remember that it was oh, a peer sure. to peer. i too yeah there you go Uh, it's it's peer-to-peer right i mean it it, all the music was uploaded to all these servers all over the place in mostly college doms they use computers that belong to colleges they use the bandwidth that belong to colleges so think of web 3.0 at a very in a a very simple way from a technology and architecture perspective a peer-to-peer decentralized you know Uh, version that is matured and gone moved on from where we were when we had Napster so right now security is built into it. Uh, transaction and payments are built into it Uh, there's going to be reliability there's going to be uh, administrative function, but more importantly to differentiate it from web 2.0 there's one crucial difference that is there's actually going to be a mechanism where, if you're a user in a social network or any of these places where you create data or you leave trails based on your search, for example, on a search engine, you actually get a function, a way to own that data, you own your own data, so that fundamentally changes how You know your data is used, whether to monetize through advertising or whether to market to you you in any any number of ways right Mm -hmm. that fundamentally will change because you actually have control if it's implemented this way, and if it evolves this way um, to kind of take control of your own narrative and. That gives you that gives a consumer in the future power to kind of control what is done with their own data. So that will be a fundamental, you know, building block of Web 3.0. So all these things together, kind of, you know, are taking Web 2.0 into what would be the next stage and next evolutionary step.
0: So you also shared something uh, in that tech meeting that I referenced earlier, surrounding you know the percentage of companies that existed or survived or uh, excelled in Web 2.0. Uh, They weren't around in Web.0. I think it was two thirds or 70, 75 percent.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's a great stat. Right. And that's precisely why we do what we do today. I mean, like Mm -hmm. I said, this is very early. Um, and uh, you know, that's that uh, 75% of the companies in web 2.0 didn't exist in web 1.0. Some of it is simply because there was so much disruption, which basically gives you, you know, which comes with risks for existing business models, but also it comes with a massive opportunity, uh, for new business models and to re platform disintermediate, you know, and, and that is exactly what happened. Uh, we've seen retail move online, e-commerce, uh, particularly coming out of COVID, uh, you know, it's accelerated rapidly that didn't that entire ecosystem didn't exist payments are online now so 75% of everything that we take for granted today or think or interact with on web 2.0 didn't exist in web 1.0 so all this happened uh, you know over the last you know 20 years gradually and the opportunity set and the risk as we transition to the next model uh, is going to be, you know, in, along the same scale, and that's the reason we want to pay attention now uh, as investors to kind of make sure that we are positioned properly as this transition takes place, and we don't end up on the wrong side.
0: Yeah, what's so interesting to me is that it's just consistent with what we've seen uh, over the last 100 years, right? Whether it was S curves in cars, electricity radios, desktops, etc, everything goes through an s curve. And I guess maybe when we think about the internet, it isn't one s curve, web.0 had its own s curve, web 2.0 had its own s curve, and perhaps web 3.0 has its own s curve.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I dream of S-curves. This is my life. <laughs> I'm not joking. And I, 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 and that spans from utilities, energy, EV, like name it, climate change, like literally I, I dream, or I live S-curves, right? And yeah. and for me, that's definitely a great framework to think about, you know, where the adoption is coming from, how fast mm-hmm. it's ramping up the middle portion of the S-curve, uh, uh, when it's going to plateau out because the opportunities are different at different parts of the curve and what we want to pay or where we want to be are different. So that's absolutely right. And it, You know, in Web3.0, it's going to be the same thing. There's going to be numerous S-curves that all come together to kind of define what this is going to be in 10 years from now or 15 years from now. But along the way, there's going to be a lot of investment, a lot of disruption, a lot of money made and money lost. And we absolutely need to stay on top of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Capital that gets destroyed and, and, and capital that grows. So maybe along those lines... Uh, talk a little bit about metaverse, and I like the way you described it. At least it was educational for me. In your meaning, was it? It's it's a part of Web 3.0. Is that is that accurate?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I I just modified slightly. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Web 3.0 is if you sh- you should think of it as a framework slash infrastructure that's decentralized that sits at the very bottom, right? So metaverse can be an application, like many other things. On web 3.0 so that's the foundational way of thinking about it, you can build a metaverse on web 3.0 so web 3.0 is not metaverse metaverse is not uh, web 3.0 but web metaverse is an application on web 3.0 so. Just to kind of give you some context to where I'm coming from, again, like I said, this will be the theme in the whole podcast, being an older person doesn't really help you understand Metaverse. In fact, I went into it very, with a lot of skepticism, you know, because of everything that this is supposed to promise, right, shopping, education, entertainment, on and on, on. I can't even uh, real estate, Uh, not the real real estate, but fake real estate. So all these things when you kind of put it in your head, as a, a person whose kind of context is anchored into the current, current way the world works, it's really hard to get your hands around. So, it was very helpful to have a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old um, who live in that world, <laughs> and they're perfectly comfortable. In fact, they, I, you, you don't even realize that your kids are spending time in this new context already. It's just that we don't know, right? There are lots of these already existing. So, just to kind of put a definition around it, w- what's a metaverse? The, the, this is, for lack of any other way of thinking, it's a, it's a virtual world um, mm-hmm. that's independent of a user meaning it doesn't matter whether you log in or log out, it exists and continues to play like a movie behind the scenes. It's persistent is the word, technical term that they use, but it's always there and it's persistent. It's immersive, meaning you can use a virtual reality or a augmented reality headset to interact with it. Um, you know, and it's a shared world. Um, so that's kind of like how 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 I think about it. Um, there are several of these already, right? Mostly from in the context of gaming. That's why it's so kind of like, kid-centric these days. Uh, I don't think there are too many, too, too many adults uh, spending time on these, but kids are definitely there. Coming out of it, coming after all this work was done, right, and I came out of it, you know, we'll talk a little more about it, but like, I went into it open-minded but skeptical, but I came out of it thinking, oh, this is, something real this is something going to something that's going to be an opportunity and this is something that whether a 50 year old likes it or not doesn't really right. matter it's about the next generation and uh, so i came out a lot more bullish than i went in is kind of what i what i'm trying to say
0: right now that's that's interesting maybe back to your comments about the companies that didn't exist in web oh, but existed in, in web 2.0 oh, if we apply that to the metaverse and i realize you know the future has no facts so but just er- early early days some of your conversations with with investors about science risk to name you know what are at broad strokes some industries or areas at a are potential uh, maybe winners in, in a metaverse and, and losers as well.
1: Yeah. So, so actually we didn't talk about that in the context of web 2.0, web 3.0. So let's do that for a quick second yep. okay. and then we'll, we'll have the same conversation about the metaverse altogether. Right. Because some of them actually overlap, right. For, for obvious reasons. So if you think about just web 3.0, just to start there, um, you know, uh, winners and losers, definitely we can categorize them as such, or we can even categorize some of them as being, you know, more likely to be, dis- to be disrupted than others. Right. So let's let us start on the disruption or the negative side of the ledger, for lack of a better word. And let's think through, you know, the current models that exist, social and search, for example. Cloud. These are all built on centralized platforms. If the platform itself is going to be decentralized, you're going to see disruption there. So, and they also, like we said, social and search monetize based on user data. They don't create any data. It's your data. It's my data that they're using to uh, target you for advertising, or to sell things, or sell you to the marketing departments of large brand companies, and so on. So, if the foundation is going to change, you know that they're going to see disruption. How they're going to deal with it, whether they'll be relevant in the future in in the new model, is up to them and how they respond to it. So, it's both an opportunity and a risk, right? It's not. It's it's it, it, there are both sides to that. And then, if you think about You know web 3 what else changes Uh, If you think about services companies whenever there is a lot of change, they have a lot more work to do so it services companies, which is a big complex. Uh, If you think about you know uh, next generation software whenever software re platforms we've gone through four or five five of these changes in the last 40 years. A lot of the older models get disrupted, but at the same time there's a lot of opportunity for new models right, so let me jump back to some of the some of the more you know models that might be disrupted, if you think about financials and media distribution platforms. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, financials, there's a risk of disintermediation. Do I need to go to a bank to borrow when this model exists? Or can I go to one of those distributed financial, finance uh, platforms that are being stood up? Media distribution, same thing. Uh, Do I need to consume my music from an existing music service or they going to be alternate music services built where music creators, the content creators get paid more of the economics, basically disrupting the current model where most of the economics are kept with the platform. Right. So we have to think through all these and payments, of course, like I said, payments is built into web 3.0. So, you know, payments has been a great space, fantastic space for a lot of innovation. But if payments are built into the platform itself, then will transactions move away from the current networks to you know, this new platform and take away the volume. So we need to think through all this. So that's Web 3.0, right? Now, if you think about metaverse, uh, we have something, some some things overlap. Like I said, on the winner side, semis, same thing, more compute required, more storage required, that's all beneficial to semis. But also we said, you know, all the current development in the metaverse comes from in the context of gaming. So it originates in gaming. The current metaverses that exist are rooted in gaming. So if you think about esports, gaming they they have to be they, they probably are going to be beneficiaries and same thing for services right more things to fix more things to migrate more things to do so that's the context of the winners now if you think about disruption possible losers or change where change is going to be the most relevant let's start with the retail just kind of put some put a put a fence around it if you think about what e-commerce did to bricks and mortar this will be e-commerce on steroids so think about retail in virtual stores in a metaverse uh, where people can actually go into the metaverse try on clothes uh, and do other things and also That's the retail amazing. yeah so and then the retail stores in the metaverse will be built on a piece of virtual real estate that has value Right, so now real estate, when you think about, it, that's why I said real real estate was virtual real estate. There's already land being bought and sold on these platforms. Uh, we talked about social and search. Again, in a metaverse, it's all graphical interactions as opposed to text interaction. Uh, so that's going to change the way those businesses have to monetize. Think about education and training. I'll just stop there. Like, think about live entertainment education and training, where you know, my, my kids, I didn't know they have attended or actually maybe seen recordings of virtual concerts on these small gaming based metaverses. I had no clue. I was asking them about, you know, who was Marshmallow, and I had no clue that it was a rapper. <laughs> my 13 year old said he did watch it, but he knows it's a rapper. I would never yeah. know that, right? So right. there's lots of new things coming on. And think about what we're doing right now, Zoom. Is this the best possible way of uh, all of us sitting here and talking to each other, or is there a better model in the metaverse? I think that's going to fundamentally change. So anyway, that was a long answer, but I just wanted to cover a few areas. No, it's just so interesting. We, we think about uh, the production of capital goods, so maybe
0: the collaboration it takes to build a car, and it, you can't really do that on Zoom, but if you're doing that in a metaverse or you know, everyone's wearing a goggles, the engineers, so to speak, are in a de facto room and you're trying on for lack of a better term different parts and and just
1: right. the potential for collaboration seems so much greater right right definitely not, not not sitting across from a camera and just staring at each other on these <laughs> squares on the screen right so we can definitely do better and those are coming in already and and definitely like the example that you picked is very interesting so if you can add tactile sense right uh, and actually being able to we've seen this in movies science fiction movies but right, if you're right, able to yeah. turn a part if you're going to we already model auto parts and all these parts in 3D so bringing them making them intractable, kind of making them, putting them in the context of interaction and collaboration between teams that are not in the same place. People are already working on that. And that, you know, like I said, I went in very skeptical, then you start thinking about all the ways this can actually make things better, away from just the gaming and esports and con- concerts and other stuff that the kids want to do, uh, and or buy, buy avatars or something like that. So away from all that, there's real business to business, real world use cases that can drive adoption.
0: You know, and as you were talking, I, I guess what um, stuck out to me the whole time is that how, you know, the more things seemingly change, the, the more they don't, or in other words, the one consistent pattern that you, you talked about when you were referencing semis as a, for instance, or even um, the consulting companies, the IT consulting right, firms, right. it's, it's, there is, there's always second and third derivative ways to, to backdoor. Into a, a, a sector, right? So it's the, yep. the pickaxes and, and shovel ways. So while perhaps identifying the uh, primary provider of, of a service in Web 3.0 or the metaverse is going to be really, really hard to do, and some firms are perhaps really good at that, there's there's other investable, uh, better shop ratio, investable ways to get there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, th- th- that's the entire point, right? So if, if you kind of just take a step back and think through, how much merge M&A activity and actually investment activity, uh, some companies are even changing their names to make them relevant to this theme, right? So, and these are multiple billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars being invested today. So the way I think about it and the way I'm looking at it and having seen so many other disruptions and disruptions and transitions, um, yeah, if you think about the ideal web 3.0 or ideal way in fully imagined form of the metaverse, it's 10 years out, easy. You know five if not 10 maybe 10 plus years out right so but the journey from here to there is fraught with both like risk and with, with a lot of opportunity and a lot of the companies meaning with meaningful caps are investing ahead of this theme. And we need to understand why they're doing this, where are they going, what does it mean to their economics returns and all those things today that we look at when we we invest in companies. And these investments and the moves that they're making will have a meaningful effect on fundamentals for these companies. So, you know, it's maybe 10 years out, but the changes and the implications drive stocks today. So it's important for us to stay active uh, in the space and kind of understand ahead of the actual realization of these themes. Right.
0: Right. Well, you know, I, I think we could talk about this for, for, you know, hours longer, but uh, let me stop it here. And, you know, thank you so much um, for your time today. Obviously it's early days and the, there's so much to come and, you know, when I reflect on, on your, your comments, you know, what, what hasn't changed in, in investing is always about is it's a, a, discounting mechanism of future cash flows. And so as science changes things, it's really still ultimately about uh, those that have the the commercial, the commercial application of the science, if you will, who has the ability to, to monetize yep. the science and, and who doesn't.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. We're seeing, you know, and they discount very early sometimes, maybe too early sometimes, right? But we have to live. That is the reality in the market today. And sometimes we we make that call. It's too early to discount this trend or not. Uh, so, so the only way to do that is actually understand the underlying trend and, you know, have a, have a kind of really deep understanding of what's going on and what's changing. Anyway, thanks for the conversation. Uh, thanks for the time uh, and and opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, you're definitely going to be back. So appreciate it very much. Thank you so much, CV, for taking the time today to help us better understand what is meant by Web 3.0 in the metaverse and how they potentially have far reaching effects across the investable universe. Also, thank you to all our listeners for tuning into this conversation. We'll be back with another Strategist Corner episode very soon.